Throughout the Gospels, Jesus' ability to perform miracles is never called into question. Rather, the conversation centers around the question, by whose authority do you perform these signs? Perhaps the two most prominent religious groups during Jesus' day were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees outright rejected Jesus because they believed God no longer performed miracles. Miracles, they believed, were something that God only did during the Exodus. The Pharisees were more open to the miraculous and believed that God could still perform miracles. But since their theology didn't allow for healing on the Sabbath, they attributed Jesus' miracles to Satan. These mindsets concerning divine intervention still live on within Christianity today. All too often, we're limiting the way that God can speak and lead his people, and we're very quick to attribute what we can't explain to chance or science or Satan rather than to God. And even if something is coming out of the context of prayer within Jesus' name, we still tend to put those back on science, chance, or Satan rather than God. So this week, as we continue our story, I'm going to tell you a bit about an early prayer session that at the time was so far out of my experience that it scared me. And I had to ask myself the question, by whose authority am I doing these things? Is this of God or is this of the enemy? Welcome to Unquenchable, where we discuss all things biblical theology, listening prayer, and Christian living. Each week, we'll share a discussion, an interview, or a story that will feed your spiritual curiosity, helping you to better understand the Bible and receive inner healing so you can grow in intimacy with Christ through prayer. Thanks for joining us today. If you're listening, why not click and subscribe and give us a five-star review And if you really like what you've been hearing, why not tell a friend, give a written review, or even drop me an email at drlove at praythroughit.com to let us know that you are listening and what this podcast means to you. You may remember from earlier episodes that before I learned how to listen in prayer, I was struggling with why. If Jesus was God and the Bible was true, then why was the fruit of the Spirit not present in me? And I was actually considering if I should look into other religions And so I asked God, Lord, are there any other religions that I should look into? And the sense that I got in return was, maybe you should try Christianity. And I thought, oh, very cute. I I knew what he meant. I had been a Christian since my childhood, was dedicated to avoid sin and serve God, even to the point of becoming a professor of biblical studies. But I had so much further to go in my faith. He was calling me to let go of the side of the pool of my religious contingency plans and swim out into the deeper water. He was calling me to leave that which was socially comfortable in my religious circles and lean in to hone my spiritual ears and gifts even more. And that's where I began intentionally experimenting with listening prayer. I cover some of this part of my story in episodes two and three. So if you're new here, you want to go back and listen to those episodes. In fact, For this season, it would be good to go the whole way back and start with episode zero. Anyway, I was beginning to experiment with listening prayer with my students, and I was always trying to take myself out of the equation as much as possible. I figured the less I was involved in guiding the imagery and influencing the prayer path, the better I could discern what was coming from my leading, what was coming from their imagination, and what was coming from God speaking to them. If you've been listening for any amount of time, you've heard some stories of people seeing images through prayer. If you remember back to episodes four and five, I recounted a prayer session with Madison who saw a purple thing with a man's arm who was constantly grabbing that represented her eating disorder. 
Well, during that session, I had another student who was with me. And after he saw what happened during that session, he wrote me the following email. He said, let's have a one-on-one prayer meeting. I have some issues that I'd like to work through that are holding me back from being a great Christian. I want to figure out what they are and ask Jesus to help me conquer them. It would be helpful if I share my thoughts on the subject. Tuesday and Thursday are both good for me. If that's good for you, I'm thinking around 2 p.m. And I was totally unprepared for what would happen next. Here's what happened, in Jacob's own words. My mind was blank when we started. My soul was on fire. You began to lead the prayer, and I was silent for a while. You started to ask me what I saw, and it was nothing at first. I began to see a girl. I recognized her as a real person, someone I'd been trying to get to know lately. She was facing away from me, and I was standing right behind her right shoulder, and there was this warm golden light present in front of us. She reached into the light and held a chalice. She turned it to me and drank from the cup, and the light started to disappear as she offered me a sip with a smile, and I was unsure of her and the cup. I felt that I couldn't trust the contents of the glass. I turned away from her and began to walk away and a dirt path appeared in front of me, and I was in the middle of a dark forest. It was cold and windy as I walked down the path. I began to fear that I didn't know where I was headed, but I didn't want to turn back. Instead, I stopped walking and knelt down to pray. I asked God for deliverance. In a little while, a cart began to approach, a wooden cart led by a donkey and driven by an old man in a tall hat with a long knotted beard. He stopped in the cart and allowed me to join in. And I rode with him through the night in silence, and the sun began to rise as we approached the end of the forest. We were now in a meadow with rabbits and deer, and the sun rose fast, and I got off a cart and I said goodbye, and the meadow was the most beautiful place. I found a circle of folks and joined them in a picnic meal. The girl from the beginning was there, and I sat down, and we prayed for our meal and broke bread. Jesus was with us. He told us everything, and we were in awe of his glory. I began to cry. He continues, Today's prayer session was really powerful. I feel a change in my demeanor. I've been more relaxed all day. I don't know if I found the answers I needed, but the experience has drawn me closer to Jesus. My hopes are that all others will find this method with reception and care, as I think that it could certainly change lives. I share this prayer session with you because even though I was supposedly the one leading the session, I did very little to lead Jacob once he began receiving images. The imagery just kept coming and coming, and he would narrate what he was seeing, and I just sat there dumbfounded, and it really actually started to freak me out. It was as though I wasn't even needed in this situation. In one sense, I was no longer leading him. Something similar was happening in prayer sessions before, but this was different. Fear came over me, and I began to wonder, what is going on? Thoughts came to my mind about the slave girl in Philippi, who had a spirit in Acts 16 that followed the Apostle Paul around prophesying. Could it be that I was somehow attached to a demon? But as I took these concerns to the Lord, I prayed through what was happening. I realized how ironic it was that I would call upon the name of the Lord in prayer, and when something seemingly miraculous started to happen, my faith and my theology, or maybe my experience, wasn't big enough to consider that it could possibly be the God that I called upon that was actually answering my prayer. I was unknowingly among those whom Paul described in 2 Timothy 3, 5-7 as having a form of godliness, but denying the Spirit's power. I hadn't heeded the warning of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5:19 to not quench the Spirit of God that was within me. Later on that day, I found myself walking down the faculty hallway 
passing all of the offices of the Bible and theology professors on either side, and each door represented a faculty member who likely would not understand what just happened in my office. After all, this is a university that's traditionally dispensational, and so I found myself crying out to God, Lord, what's going to happen to me when the people hear about what's going on? And the sense I got was, why are you here? And I knew what he was asking wasn't just, why are you here at this university, but why are you here on this earth? It was as though the Lord was asking me if I was willing to be obedient, even if it was at the expense of my dignity and even my career. So I felt myself tear up as I died a bit to myself a little more and saying, all right, Lord, I'm here to do your will. And that was a turning point for my life in ministry. That was the point where I decided whether I was going to go forward with what the Lord was doing or if I was going to stop it and silence it and quench the spirit within me. So I was there, but it's still interesting for me to hear about this time in Don's life again and some of the similar inner struggles and doubts that we go through because we want to be certain that this is the work of the true and living God and not ourselves. And little did he know that at that time, his decision to follow Christ was not going to get him fired like he feared. On the contrary, it would gain him favor among the administration. And those next five years were just a whirlwind of ministry and growth. As we continued to experiment with listening and inner healing prayer with the students, on a greater and greater scale. During this time, it seemed that every door that he tried opened, and he was even promoted and began teaching in the seminary, and I was surprised too. So next week, we'll pick up on our story and talk about what happened when Don stepped out in faith, taking what was happening in his office through prayer and implementing it into his upper-level New Testament theology classes. But before we go, we wanted to give a life update and have you consider how can we help you where you are. As you know, we are in transition. This past week, we announced at our church that Don and I will be transitioning from our roles in student and family ministry to investing in pray through at full time. We took some time a couple weeks ago to discern God's will for this next stage in our lives. And what he heard was, my people have forgotten to listen. And we sense that God is calling us as a couple to play a role in helping to awaken the church by helping people everywhere to remember to listen to the Lord through prayer. These new steps fit in well with what I was hearing about a new daily trust in the Lord and laying down areas of self-reliance for self-control that was purified by him. God was preparing my planner's heart for a more unpredictable life. So for the last seven years, we've been experimenting with prayer, and have found that when we pray through things with others' lives are changed. And even more significantly than that, we have found that wherever we hold prayer meetings, people tend to quickly pick up what we're doing and then lead other people to healing through prayer. And each time we pray through things with someone, we can't help but marvel and just give God glory that we've been counted worthy to watch as he changes lives right in front of us. It's as though God has given us keys to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up their wounds, to activate them for unhindered service to the Lord. It's as though we are laying the groundwork for revival to come. And what this means is that we need to be more focused than ever. So we're in the process of transitioning prayer through into a nonprofit organization and begin developing and supporting prayer communities, bringing inner healing to pastors, missionaries, life groups, and even the lost through listening prayer evangelism. So we'd love to help raise up prayer leaders in your area so that your community can more and more be experiencing the kind of life change that we've been sharing in this podcast. We're certainly open to creative and economical ways to connect with you, your church, or your organization. So email us at drlove at praythroughit.com and let us know if you'd like to set up a Zoom call for a personal pray through it session or discuss what we can do to come and lead listening and inner healing prayer events and trainings where you are. 
Unquenchable is a ministry of Pray Through It Ministries. To learn more about us and our ministry, check us out at praythroughit.com.